service and a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful winter day. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather here, seated as it were at the feet of Jesus, who, who taught his disciples to pray. And we read in the word that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Give us faith and understanding to hang on to those those promises, that one and many more in this most precious word. We ask that thou be with all those that are gathered this morning. Send that Holy Spirit unto them. Send that spirit and and power that the word speaks about. And give us comfort and strength to carry on in our daily lives. Carry on in our responsibilities and understandings of, of what is best for for us. Give us that closeness to the word that is our constant stay and our constant guide. Watch over our rulers. Watch over all those that all our elected officials and even those that are running our communities and schools and municipalities and all that. Watch over them. Give us a land of peace. Give us a land where people turn to thee. Give us a land where we are under thy hand, under thy almighty hand of power and grace. Watch over this service this morning. Give give this servant words and understanding of this eternal word that we can all benefit from it, that can give us gives us gives us understanding gives us correction when we go wrong gives us peace and joy when we can understand and know that heaven awaits us so watch over us this morning and hear us now as we pray that most precious words that Jesus taught his disciples our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Someone have another song to continue with? 
nice to see everybody out on a nice Sunday morning like we have. Hopefully we gather. <coughs> I know I know we gather for to see our friends and relatives and visit and that, but we gather because most of all because we wish to gain eternal life. And we have as believers we have that hope of eternal life. And the word says to, to not forsake the gathering together. We go off on our own and I think we have a tendency and maybe I should only speak for myself but we, we can get opinionated about things. And if we discuss these things around the, the troubles and problems in life around the word of God it gives us a, something steady to, to uh, hang on to. As it says in the in the in the faith chapter, I I refer to that often. And I can find it here. I'm not good at finding things, as you can see. Speaking of the men and women, women of old, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's what this word does to us. It causes us to embrace this word. So for a text this morning, I'll read, I'll read this chapter on... On charity, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'll read the whole chapter, 13 verses. Reading in Jesus' name. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow, <coughs> excuse me, bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth, profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But we, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. Now abideth, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be multiplied unto each one, gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. In the chapter before this, which was a kind of a designated chapter for today, I, I think it's too deep for me, but anyways, I took the next chapter. No law against it, but... It speaks of the body, and and we could say it's it, it likens our natural bodies to the body of believers, and even as it says there are, are comely parts and parts that aren't so comely, but they're all necessary, and we might say that someone's beautiful hair or eyes or something is is more important than their elbow, but. The word says no. It says that all the every every part is necessary, 
And speaking of the body of believers, the last few verses in the, in the 12th chapter, it says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And Christ hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet shew I unto you a more excellent way. Well, we know that covetousness in the scriptures is not a good thing. Here it says it's okay to covet, as long as we covet the best gifts. Covet those gifts that God gives us to to uh, build and enlighten the church and enlighten us as individuals. It's not wrong to covet those things, but it's wrong to covet uh, the things of this world, uh, possessions and and uh, things that other people might might have, and even gifts that some people might have. Some 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 gifts, but it says covet the best gifts. So it starts out here in the 13th chapter. If we think of that body of believers, and I believe this this 13th chapter is a is a picture of Christ, and it's a picture of of him when he dwells within us, each of us as individuals. We we could have we could have the gift of oratory, which I don't know if I got, but it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels <clears throat> and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I think I read someplace about Luther saying that well we know that Luther was probably one of the greatest theologians and his his side sidekick Philip Melanchthon, was it? I try to picture them as a pair, and I don't know if it makes any difference, but I think Luther was a big husky man, and and Melanchthon was was a, a thin little man. But Luther said of, of he and, <clears throat> and Philip that when they speak together, and, and they were probably both very enlightened in the scriptures and, and <clears throat> of, of deep understandings, he says we could... With our, and, and, and he had his sense of humor, but he says with their discussing things together, he says we can, we can tickle the angels' ears even. But when he got up to speak a sermon, he spoke so that even the littlest children could understand. He didn't use that theological language that he and Philip spoke together. And that's the way the word should be. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an intellectual thing that we have to take courses in order to know how to understand it. It says, it says in the word that it's, it's easy to be understood. It's easy to digest this word. So the writer, which, do we, do we say it was Paul? I don't know. First, first epistle of Paul to, to the Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians. He says that though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I think some versions of the people have written different versions of this this scripture because they, I don't know if they don't understand the old English or what, but they've they've changed this word to love. Charity, the word charity to love and in a sense it's it's good it's okay but in another sense if it isn't the love of God and if it's just our our love for one another concerns for one another it can lead us astray and I think of the greatest well some have said that the definition definition of charity is is love in action, and the greatest, the greatest um, 
example of that I can think of is is where we read in the scriptures that love constrained Jesus to go to the cross. We can't comprehend that kind of love. We can't comprehend that. It's easier for us to comprehend the the type of to ha- to have a deep love for someone that's been very good to us or whatever a mother's love for her child and, and, Je- and Jesus even speaks of that 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 uh, of a mother's love for her child and, and and says that there even are in this world mothers that don't have a love for their children very very rare. But Jesus has more love than that. He loves each one of us unbelievably. And and when he went to the cross for us, he showed us that greatest gift of charity, I believe, of all times. It says if we don't have that, we can have all kinds of gifts, all kinds of speaking gifts, and, and speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But if we don't have charity, if we don't have that eternal love mixed in with that, we're just a bunch of clanging and banging sounds. That's that's what a, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal is. It just it just clangs, and we know that people use it in in uh, bands and that, and, and it gives you timing and lots of noise and all that. But as far as our eternal welfare it does absolutely nothing it's just a bunch of noise and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains Jesus says we can have that that kind of faith where we could say to a mountain that it would be removed and I can't imagine that go out west here and move a mountain but some have explained that, that that mountain could be a mountain of troubles and sins and trials and and concerns that we have and with the word of God and with the blessing of the gospel we can remove that from a brother or sister and they can remove it from us and we can be free That's that's the true charity it says if we if we have all these gifts, prophecy, understand all the mysteries. I look into this word and I often look for something to, to speak on because I'm up here once in a while. And I say, well, that's too deep. I don't understand it. There's, there's mysteries there I just don't understand. There's, there's a few I think I have some understanding on and many, many, many that I have no understanding on. It says if we had all understanding, the gift of prophecy, the gift to preach this word, all knowledge, all faith, which one of us can say we have all these things? Or which one of us can say we have all of any one of them? We can't say that. Because if we have all those things, or if we had one of them, and if we don't have charity, if we don't have that eternal side to our <clears throat> love and concerns for our fellow man, it says we are nothing. We're nothing. The, the word says, if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he only deceives himself. Maybe he thought he had some had this gift of prophecy, prophecy or, or understanding of mysteries. And he boasted about that. He says he's nothing. If charity isn't mixed in with this, we are nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. Bestowing all your goods to feed the poor wouldn't be a bad thing. There, there, the G- Jesus says we have the poor with us always I think he refers to to people who and I don't speak down on them at all but they somehow can't get it together in life 
And, and they struggle through life. And they have trials and troubles that maybe some of us others don't have. We have, we have our own set of troubles and trials. But to help them out is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And we're supposed to do that. If we, if we have the wherewithal to help somebody and somebody's in, in need, we're supposed to help them. It doesn't matter who it is, if they're rich or poor, and, and maybe they don't need help financially, but they need help in other ways. We're supposed to do that. It says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, we're, we're will, willing to give up life, even for it. But we don't have charity. We don't have a, a concern for their undying soul. It profits us nothing. And then it speaks, and I, and I think if we if we look at each of us, each of us as individuals, and 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 I guess compare ourselves here, we we don't have these things. Suffers long is kind. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. If we look to Jesus, we see these things. We see these qualities, and He has these things. That's why I say in the beginning, maybe maybe this speaks to us as a body of believers, like the last chapter was talking about a body of believers. But it speaks to us as individuals also. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Do we always do that? I have to say I don't. Charity envieth not very human qualities here. Doesn't envy. Well, I could find myself envying someone or some somebody's talents and gifts or what they have, whatever it is, possessions. Charity vaunteth it vaunteth not itself up. That word vaunteth means and I wrote it down here, I looked it up one time. It says if I can read my writing make vain or to brag it vaunteth itself not up charity doesn't doesn't go around bragging or lifting itself up these are all human qualities and it says it doesn't say don't do these things but it says if we have charity we will do these things Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. All these qualities that we can find welling up in in ourselves, and I only have to speak for myself. If charity is the number one in our lives, these things will, will all be in the background. And, and charity will come forth. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Oh, how many people, us included, can somehow when somebody has some trouble, we think, well, that's not not too bad a thing. He's such a so and so. I've had those thoughts. They're not good. They're not from God. Rejoiceth in, in iniquity. God just never, never has rejoiced in iniquity in Jesus. They don't, they don't rejoice when someone has trouble in their lives. Jesus says he come here, he came here that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He wants, he wants to give us life. He wants to give us the, well, a good life in, in this world, but also the gift of eternal life. Where we, where we, run into trouble in this life and we can look above and beyond our troubles and trials and we can look to that eternal shore where heaven awaits those that believe I mentioned last Sunday how I had that experience with my appendix operation and and I didn't finish the story and I'm going to finish it I was I was in terrible pain and having trouble and trouble that told Rachel and Beth that I I can't even believe I don't know what's wrong with me 
and I made that right with them. A couple hours later, I was talking to the doctor. He was ready to operate on me. And he gave me a list of all the things that can end up being complications in a in an operation. And you think it's a simple operation. Many years ago, it was a very touchy operation. Nowadays, they do a little buttonhole operation, and, and it isn't seemingly that serious. But he gave me a list of things that I had to be aware of. I don't remember that I had to sign anything, but... but uh, quite a list of things he said we could open you up and find you full of cancer and I I thought well this is quite a way for a doctor to be speaking but anyway I listened he said we could open you up and find nothing we could open you up and find serious troubles with your appendix because they do three kind of complete um, what would I say analysis of, of what I might have what my problem might be and they narrow it down to that and and he gave me quite a little talk and he said in the end that that some people don't get through this operation once in a while people die on the operating table so uh, what was astonishing to me was that a couple hours before that I was having trouble believing because I was in such horrible pain after he gave that little talk to me and, and I said well go ahead I'm leaving it in your hands and I thought the thought came to me and I wasn't jumping up and down laying on his cot there but I was rejoicing in my spirit thinking that if if they give me this uh, what, do, what do you call it when they knock you out give me a shot of that to knock me out and the lights go out and I wasn't to make it I'd be in heaven immediately so that's how, how I don't know if fickle is the word but that's how we can be we can go from having trouble believing two hours later with what was taking place rejoicing that if it was to go that way and maybe it's a selfish thing that I don't want to come back here and and, uh, carry on with my responsibilities but I just thought wouldn't that be something got this big three foot light over top of me and it goes out and I wake up in eternity fits into here but it's just it's just that this charity goes on goes on from this life charity rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in the truth beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things it's quite a word not a big word but it's almost hard to believe that charity can cover all these things. We sing that song, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. That's charity. That's the love it's talking about. And when people replace that word with love, It's okay, but it has to be love from heaven itself. Love of God that sent Jesus here to this earth. And I guess I think of that often, how how he came from eternity to earth, to time, which, which is very prevalent in each of our lives if we didn't watch our our clock and come to church we'd come here at all hours of the day and it goes for our work and everything in life centers around time it seems like Jesus came from a timeless realm 
in heaven to this earth. And of course we see that when he speaks of his time being up and he had to face what he had to face in Gethsemane and the cross. His time was up. He came he went to went to suffer for our sins. He rose victorious over that. And he went back to eternity with his father. All because of this eternal love he had for us. Charity never fails, never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I don't understand the depths of that, but I will just say this, that these are all things we deal with in this life. We're not in eternity yet. And it's just these things can fail. The word of God won't fail. We know that. We're taught that throughout, throughout all the scriptures. But our understandings can fail. Our prophecies can fail. I'm standing up here a sinful individual. Not everything I say is perfect. And we fail. We all do. Jesus went to the cross for these things. He forgives us for these things. We strive to do what's right. But we'll always fail. We're not going to be punished because of those failures. We're forgiven because of our failures. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. We know in part and we prophesy in part. If we were given, like it says here, all understanding, all knowledge of mysteries, all, all, if we knew all the mysteries in the scriptures, that would be another thing. But we say, it says here we only know in part. We know those things that God has given us that are necessary for us to reach heaven's shore. And we encourage others with, with these gifts he has given us. But Paul brings in that side of us that is, that is human. We're, we're all very human. We know in part, we prophesy in part. Remember the time that Paul speaks and he, he's, he's asking, it, take these troubles and trials away from me and I can be more. I can't, I can't think of the place, but God says, my, my faith, my grace is sufficient for you. Some people have, have come up with different ideas and things that they said, oh, he had this physical problem and his eyesight was bad or whatever. I don't worry about that. Paul had to learn that lesson that God has given you what is needful. Those gifts that are needful. You, you go and go out into the world and, and use those gifts. Remember it. Remember at Paul's conversion when he was Saul and he, he comes in contact with Ananias and Ananias was afraid of him. He said, this man has letters of authority to destroy the likes of me. It's, it doesn't say that in so many words, but that's, that's what it means if you read it. God says, don't worry about that. Just go. And he says, he will, he will show Paul how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. His voice is coming from heaven saying that. And then, like I say, Paul complains later on that he's got these problems he's dealing with. If God would only take them away, he could be a better man. No. Whatever God has given you, you use that. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, when we receive the gift of eternal life, that's when things will become perfect. And we look at the political scene of this world and, and even our nation, and, and we're not as bad off as a lot of them, but 
it's, it's not getting better. And I say, when Jesus comes, there's going to be lots of long faces in this world. They haven't turned to God for guidance. They haven't walked in those ways that he would want us to walk. Not that we walk perfectly, but we try. And we strive to walk perfectly. It says, when that, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Done away. And we'd say done away with. There will be no more. Every individual that's ever walked this earth, and we can't comprehend the size of that crowd or how it's going to happen, they will stand before Jesus and answer for the life they led. If we have led a life of sin, which we all have in sin and sinned all our lives, we're covered by the blood of Jesus, he will say, come, be blessed of the Father. Inherit that kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's when things will become perfect. No more sin in heaven. No more sin when we cross that river the Bible speaks about. Reach heaven's shore. So Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Most of you don't know it, but when I was young and foolish, I, I had a tendency to goof off once in a while. And some, some said that after I got married, I, my life changed, so I don't know if it was Beth or that, or that life's responsibilities came to me more seriously but that's what Paul is saying when I was a child I spake as a child I understood as a child and we think of children as as uh, well I mean I remember mom saying that saying that these these people that use the word gay and, and it's so prevalent these days she says that's that's little children running around in the yard and playing and making noise and having a good time. That's happy and gay. Well, now the connotation is all changed and the word is changed and it's, uh, it's, it's one of the most terrible sins that, that is prevalent in this earth. But that's children. Run, run around and play and, and be happy. And it doesn't matter the color or the creed or the size of the child. They're out there playing and being happy. And that's what Paul is saying. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Little children don't have many deep thoughts like we do as adults. We have responsibilities. Our thoughts get a little deeper. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You you graduate, so to speak, into adulthood. For now we see through a glass darkly, Paul says. You know that if you if you look through colored glass, look through these clear windows, and it's, it's hard to believe there's glass between you and, and the trees and whatever's out there. He says, now we see through a glass darkly. You look through a, a colored glass of some kind, and you don't see that clearly. It, it distorts the, what you're looking at. For darkly, it says, in a riddle, in the column there. We don't see things exactly the way they are when we look through a, a dark glass. Now we, now we see through a glass darkly, but then we'll see face to face. We'll see Jesus face to face. We'll see God face to face. We'll see truth face to face. We see charity face to face to face. That that eternal love that God calls us and keeps us in His care. 
Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. How well does God know us? He knows us a lot better than we know ourselves. He created us. We're the, we're the pinnacle of his creation. Not a, not a tree out there or those grandstands I can look at or anything out there. And, and as we looked into it in Bible study, how, how even the, the smallest things in the natural world sing praises to God. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. Now, do we look at man and always see God in that? No, we, we, we see trouble when we look at man and what he, what he does, the way people, people have gone. If you follow, and we all have, we follow the, the history of the Jewish nation all through the Old Testament scriptures. We see the glory of God when the people turn to God. And we see the darkness and the wretchedness of man when they turn away from him. The animal world doesn't do that. They're programmed to live their lives and eat and sleep and reproduce. And and they're a glory to God the way they conduct their lives. Yes, they kill and eat one another and and we think that's a harsh and a cruel thing and all that, but their lives are a glory to God. He has set things in that order. Man doesn't go that way. He's got reasoning. God offers us the best of the very best, and we turn it down. Paul says, now I know in part. I only know a few things. But then I shall know, even as also I am known. When we reach heaven's shore, we'll be all-knowing as God is. But we won't have, scriptures teach us, we won't have any memories of, of former things of this life. We might have come through this life having lots of trials and struggles. Maybe health problems, maybe children problems, maybe our own problems. They're all going to be gone. One of our teachers way back in my high school years was countering the the scriptures and saying that, well, I I can't see that it's going to be that enjoyable to sit there praising God for a million years. Well, that's natural understanding. I hope he didn't go to the other side if he's died by now. We won't know anything. In the, in the, in the parable of the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus is resting in the bosom of Abraham. And we, we see there that he hasn't received his eternal reward yet, but he, he has a full hope of eternal reward and he's resting. The, the rich man is not resting. He's in torment. And he can see these others. That's par- part of the torment, I believe. He's separated from God. Shane spoke about that here recently, to be separated from God. So the last verse sums it up. It says, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. I wrote these things in here because I can't remember these things. But it says of, of faith, Now abideth faith, Faith turns to sight when we reach heaven. Hope turns to attainment when we reach heaven. And charity goes from here into heaven with us. And we'll be a recipient of charity. This type of charity. Not the charity that man can muster. But this charity that that is constrained by love. Love of God forever. Faith will fall off. Hope will fall off. Charity remains. We'll we'll receive the gift of the love of God for eternity. Won't that be something?
In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Someone have a song to close with? 117. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday we had our annual meeting. Um, just a few things off the top of that. Um, we're going to be doing a collection once a year for Western Mission and a collection once a year for the Mission. And I believe the Western Mission month is in two weeks, the first of February. Thank you.